Really friendly. I typically invite the kids up to the front. I'm going to invite the kids and a parent to come up and go ahead and sit on the floor. Um, there's some makeup involved today. There's some dress up involved today. There's some heavy lifting involved today. So uh, that's why we need a parent up here as well. What's that? Huh? Glitter? No glitter. No glitter. That's safe for tomorrow. Come on up. I see a lot of kids. Parents, if you, uh, if you can, go ahead and sit on the floor next to your, next to your kids. Um, Awesome. Kids, you may notice that we've got uh, that we've got some stuff. Whoa, under the ba- under the blanket. Hey, it's good to see you. Plenty of room. Uh, gather around, gather around. Plenty of room. All right, all right, all right. Uh, so, kids, I'm going to stand. I'm going to sit. I'm going to move around just a little bit, but I'm going to ask you guys some questions. Uh, what's the biggest kid? Who's the biggest kid that you know? Just think for a second. The biggest kid that you know, okay? Sixth grade. Dude, sixth graders are crazy big. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you a story about a sixth grader in just a second. Biggest kids that you see are eighth graders. They're not quite as big as the sixth grader I knew. Okay, give me a name. What's the name of the biggest kid in your school? Eighth grader named Zach. Big kids? What's the name? JJ, go ahead. Isaac, Isaac's a tall boy, isn't he? He's like 6'4". How old is he? Freshman. Okay. Okay, McCabe? Your sister, she's the tallest kid that you know. You bet. Perfect. Well, okay, last one. Your cousin Logan, is he a big kid? He's in third grade. Oh, my goodness. I got Mr. Richard uh, sitting in the front seat going, I'm the biggest kid that I know. I am, I am. When I was in sixth grade, there was a boy in my class named Lyford Stans. Well, yes. Which, Lyford or Stans? Either one. Yeah, well, the, the, the thing with Lyford is that he was a big, big kid. As in, like, when he was in sixth grade, so 11 years old or so, he was over six foot tall. But he wasn't just tall. He was thick. As in, like, he had some muscles. As in, like, muscles that most sixth grade boys don't have. But that wasn't even the the, the cherry on top. That wasn't the kicker. Lyford in sixth grade had to shave. (laughs) Daily. In sixth grade, Lyford could grow a better beard than I can now. I remember one time when we went as a football team to play another school, and Lyford, good thing, was on the football team, and we walked out from the locker rooms, and the, the opposing teams were like, hey, all right, all right. Uh. And it doesn't matter what the rest of us were like. First play from scrimmage, I'm, I'm not even kidding, three of the opposing team's boys ran off the field. They're cheating, they're cheating, he's in high school, he's got a mustache. Lyford was a big kid. One day as we were walking in from recess, we are all walking in, and all of a sudden I felt somebody shove me, and I flew forward. I turned around, and for some reason, Lyford decided that that day he wanted to fight me. 
turned around and he was like this. I had no idea what I did to Lyford. Luckily, the second biggest kid in the school, Billy Jack Kogoshak, <laughs> small town Montana, you can't make these names up, okay? Billy Jack Kogoshak stepped in between Lyford and me and says, Lyford, you're going to fight him, you have to go through me. Whoo, that day I faced one of my biggest giants. Now, like all schoolyard scuffles with little boys, nothing happened. I mean, me, Lyford, and Billy, we were good friends through all of junior high and all of high school. Crazy thing is, 26 years later, Lyford's the same size. And he still has the same facial hair. Kids, this morning, we're going to continue a series that I started last week with your parents, talking about a guy named David in the Bible. It's actually about David and all the other characters that, that David that surrounded David. So last week we looked at David and Jonathan. You've heard of like David and Bathsheba, David and Saul. You guys get the point. This morning, since we're talking about really, really, really big people, do you know any stories that deal with David and? Tessa? David and Goliath. We got some smart kids up in here. That's awesome. That's right, David and Goliath. Was Goliath big? You guys, you guys just yell yes. Yes. Was Goliath a giant? Yes. Was Goliath the only giant in the story of David and Goliath? Hmm. Some of you say yes. Some of you say no. I want to tell you that I'm not quite so sure that Goliath was the only giant in the story. Because I read this story quite a few times this last week. And I counted about five different giants or sets of giants that David had to face. Can we tell you that story this morning? Okay, good. I brought, I brought one of my favorite storytellers to help me tell the story. Say, hi, Miss Elena. You guys out there can say hi, Miss Elena also. Hi, Miss Elena. Very good. In just a little bit, I'm going to ask her to take over. But for now, we're going to tell you a story, and we're going to title it David and... The Giants. David and the Giants. And the story begins after King Saul, who God had appointed king of Israel, after King Saul made some poor choices and disobeyed God. Now, that made the prophet Samuel very, very sad and very mad. In fact, Samuel had to go and tell the king this in 1 Samuel 15. He said, Saul, because you have rejected the command of the Lord, God has rejected you as king. So Samuel, the prophet, was sad for a long, long time. And this is where we pick up the story. Miss Elena, you guys listen well to her, okay? Okay. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel said, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice for, to, to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. 
Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and said, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse took his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord had chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel said, Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Wow. You guys getting, the, getting what's going on? You understanding what's going on in the story? Did you see that in that part, David just faced his first giant? Did you see it? So here's what's going on in the story, okay? God told the prophet Samuel to go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse. Jesse had eight sons, and Samuel was to anoint. He was to pick one of those sons to be the next king of Israel because Saul was no longer going to be king. So Samuel went. Jesse gathered all of his sons. He probably made them take showers. He probably had them put on their church clothes because they were going to have a special church service, a sacrifice And what would happen is Jesse would send all of his sons in front of Samuel, and God would tell Samuel, that's the one. Now, do you remember the first son's name? Kind of hard. His first son's name was Eliab. She said it in there. And Eliab looked like he should be king. He was probably really tall. He was, probably had some big muscles, kind of like Lyford. He probably had some battle scars because he had been in the army for a little while. He looked like a future king, but was he the one God chose? No. Listen to verse 6. It said, when, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, and he thought, surely this is God's anointing, anointed. This is the one that's going to be king. But God said, wait, Samuel, don't look at what's on the outside. I look at what's at the heart. Jesse brought the next oldest son named Abinadab, but he wasn't chosen as king either, nor was the third oldest son, Shemiah, all the way down the list with all the sons that Jesse had gathered. But none of them were chosen as king. Now listen, we're about to see this next giant that David faced, actually the first giant. Verse 11, it says, Samuel presented all, all the, or Jesse presented all the sons to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, 
the Lord has not chosen any of these. Are, all, are these all the sons that you have? Well, they're still the youngest son, Jesse said. But he's out in the field watching the sheep, the goats. You see it? David just faced a giant. Sometimes in our lives, sometimes the giants, the hard situations, the things that are challenging are from our own family. And boys, you're going to get this. Guys sitting out there, you'll understand this. Isn't it true that sometimes the one person a little boy looks up to is his dad? All a little boy wants to do is please their dad. They want to hear their dad say, hey, son, I love you. I'm proud of you just the way you are. A little boy wants to be invited into the big events of dad's life. As the youngest in Jesse's family, David probably really just wanted to hear his dad say, hey, David, you know what? I'm, I'm proud of you. Je- he wanted to hear Jesse say that. But from our story, it doesn't look like Jesse included David very much. I mean, a, a special church service going on in this house, and dad, Jesse, didn't even invite David in from the fields. Didn't even call him. At my house, when it's time for a meal, we wait for all four of us to sit down before we pray. For Miss Abby, for Sam, for JJ, and that's just for a meal. For a special occasion, you got to believe all four of us are going to be there, but not in this situation. Jesse, the dad, didn't even invite his youngest boy to the celebration. In fact, when Samuel asked about him, Jesse's response was, I got one more. He's the youngest, he's the runt of the litter. He's out in the field where he belongs. We We don't try and bring him around very much. Can you imagine if your dad said that about you? How would you feel? You wouldn't feel very loved, would you? You wouldn't feel very welcomed. Jesse was the first giant in David's life. And I think all of David's young life, he was trying to please that giant, his dad. Now, when when Jesse called David from the fields... Unlike his brothers, David didn't have time to take a shower and put on his church clothes, so he probably arrived a little bit dirty. He probably arrived a little bit stinky, probably smelled like sheep. How do you think David felt when he walked into the tent where all his brothers and his dad and this big prophet was, and he was a dirty little stinky shepherd boy? He probably didn't feel very good, did he? It probably made his heart sad. I want us to remember this feeling before I keep going, okay? I want us to remember, so I actually, I brought some, well, it's not really sheep mess, but we're going to pretend that it's dirt from the field, okay? Dirt from the field, and we're going to smudge it on your guys' faces. In fact, Miss Carly, I hear you are good at this. Um, would you come and, I'm going to keep telling the story. Would you just put, you know, a few of these smudges on the kids' faces? Kids, this will wash off. Look, I'll even, I'll even put it on my face, okay? I think it did go on there. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. You get it? Okay. You can have that. Okay. Kids, now listen. Anytime you look up at me and you see the dirt... You're going to remember that you have dirt smudges on your face too. And you're going to remember how David felt. All right, so we're telling the story about David and the giants. 
And as they get smudges, they're totally distracted. But we're going to just keep going. Okay? David and the giants. We're going to keep telling the story. And then the next part, we're going to see the second giant that David faced. Now, as the story continues, we see that war is about to happen. It's kind of good that you guys got some smudges on your face because that might help. Well, 1 Samuel 17 says, The Philistines now mustered their army for battle, and they camped between Soko and Judah and Ezekah at Ephesdamim. Saul countered by gathering the Israelite troops on the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. So kids, there is war going on. And in just a little bit, we're going to see that David's dad, Jesse, sent little David to go check and see how the big boys, how the brothers were doing. So, how are we looking? We've got a few more smudges. Miss Carly, you're not supposed to cover their faces. You're supposed to smudge them. All right, Miss Carly's going to keep going. Hey, kids, so while Miss Carly keeps going, Miss Elena, could you read the next part of the story? We're listening to David and the Giants. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab and Shemia had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. Very good. Uh, Kids, just so that your parents and the adults can see how good you look, can you just stand up really quick, turn around, and show them the smudges? Okay, this is not Halloween costumes. This is a reminder of how David would have felt when he walked in from the fields into the tent. All right, kids, go ahead and sit back down. Now, Miss Elena just did a fantastic job continuing on with our story, and what you got to hear was this. There was a battle going on, and this is the battle where David will face a really, really, really big guy, but we're not talking about him yet. And David went and took food to his brothers. David's dad essentially said, hey, I want to know how the important brothers are doing, so you... David, go take food to them and then come back and tell me what's going on. And when David got there, he saw the two big armies facing each other about to go to battle. The Israelites were really scared. Miss Elena, can you keep the story going? As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. 
And David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out every day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. And the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, Yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's eldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some of the others and asked the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. In this part of the story, we are seeing the second giant or giants that David had to face. And it's not even the big guy in the battlefield. The next set of giants is David's brothers. These are the same set of brothers that stood in the tent and watched this dirty, stinky little shepherd boy get anointed by the prophet Samuel as the next king of Israel. How do I know this is the same set of brothers? Remember the name of the biggest brother? Eliab? Did you hear it in the story? Verse 28 said, But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyways, he demanded. What about those sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. The biggest brother, as soon as he saw David, started picking on David. You're the runt of the family. You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be out in the fields with those three sheep and those two goats that we have. I know why you're here. You just want to see people fight. You've got the wrong motives. I don't think this was the first time that David's brothers picked on him. Because we see in verse 29, David's response, what have I done now? I'm only asking questions. For a little boy, there's only a couple of things in life that they really, really desire. The first is to be, to, to be told that their dad loves them and that he's proud of them. The second is to feel like they belong with their brothers, that they belong with their older siblings. They want to be included. They want their older brothers to say, hey, I'm having an adventure. You come with me. I'm sleeping in the backyard. Why don't you come sleep in the tent with me? Hey, stud, come on. You're one of us. That's what a little boy wants to hear from his big brothers. But David did not get to hear that from his big brothers. When he met his big brothers on the battlefield, instead of saying, come on, you're one of us, they said, what are you doing here? They still, you say, you're, not, you're too little. You're not supposed to be here. Go away. That wasn't very nice, was it, of the big brothers? How do you think David felt there in front of all the other army people with his brothers picking on him? probably didn't feel very good. And I want us to remember that feeling, okay? Sometimes a little boy, because he wants to be like his big brothers, goes into his brother's closet, grabs some of his brother's clothes, and plays dress up. 
And that makes him feel like he's part of his big brothers. I actually happen to have some big brother shirts here. Okay? So, they're big. And I know you guys are little, kind of like David. But I would love for you guys, with the help of grown-ups that are around, to put on a shirt each. Uh, We're going to need these shirts back because Mr. Doug has to go to work on Tuesday. Okay? (laughs) But put on a big person shirt. Get it buttoned up. Roll the sleeves up. Adults, go ahead and grab one. Okay, there's going to be some giggles because they're going to look pretty goofy, but I want you guys to remember what it feels like to dress up like a big brother while you guys are putting those shirts on. Okay, you got to listen and I'm going to tell a story to your parents. Oh my goodness, Silas, you look fantastic. Wow. So I have two sons, as these kids are getting dressed. Uh, I have two sons, you guys know that. My younger son has an older brother. But my older son does not have an older brother. Luckily, he's got a couple of older brother figures. My wife and I have some family friends, and they had a couple of sons named Justin and John. You get to see a picture of them, right? That's not them right there. That's them. Okay? Justin and John, they both grew up, and they became, they joined the army. They were army rangers, which is one of the toughest fighting forces in the world. Okay? These men, these young men took interest in my sons. They both served overseas multiple times. Uh, When the gentleman on the right, army ranger Justin, he served in Afghanistan. And we get to see a next picture. This next one is a picture of him. While he was serving away, every night my sons prayed for army ranger Justin. And a couple of times, my oldest son wrote Justin letters. Now, even in combat, Justin took time to write my son a letter back. And he met him on his own level, asked him how he was doing, what he was learning in school, what kind of games he was playing. This is while he was deployed. Now, another time, the other brother, Army Ranger John. Sam had an Army Ranger birthday party. And Army Ranger John came over, and he helped teach the kids how to properly shoot a BB gun. He rolled around in the dirt and the grass with the kids throwing water balloon hand grenades with all the boys and the one girl that came to the party. Army Ranger John and Army Ranger Justin took special interest in my sons. They treated my sons the way David's biggest brothers should have treated him. But they didn't because Eliab, Abinadab, Shemiah, they ended up being giants in David's life. Giants that he would have to face every day. Okay, now listen, just like we did with the smudges on your face, let's stand up really quick and let everybody see how good you look, okay? These are the kids who are remembering different giants in their lives. Kids, you look awesome. Go ahead and sit down, okay? They've got smudges on their face to remind them of how David felt when he came in from the field, stinky and dirty, to be anointed as king. They are wearing big brother clothes because the big brothers who should have mentored and guided and and helped shape young David, they treated him poorly. These are two giants in David's life. Now, when Miss Elena was reading, she also read about a third giant, and it was the Philistine army. Yeah. Now, this was an army that would regularly attack the Israelites. And every little boy that's growing up that goes outside and he plays make-believe, plays pretend, always has to have a big bad enemy that they're chasing. The Philistines were that big bad enemy for David. 
So many times I could imagine David out there watching his sheep, pretending to go around fighting the Philistines, pretending to go around fighting those giant people. Now in our story, he is right there looking at them. That is our third giant in the story. Okay, so we've got three so far. What are we remembering? The first giant was David's dad. The second giant was David's brother's. The third giant was the Philistines. Now we get to King Saul. Remember, in this story, David started asking questions. And those questions eventually made it to the ears of King Saul. Listen to how King Saul responded to David asking these questions. Miss Elena? David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he has been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lion from its mouth, or the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Did you guys catch that? David just faced his fourth giant. Now you may not think that facing Saul yet was, would be facing a giant, but think about the most powerful person in the world. Because that's what Saul was at the time. God had said, I want you to lead the most powerful army in the world for the best nation in the world. And David starts asking questions, and those questions make it to the ear of the biggest, baddest guy around because he was, he was like tough. And in fact, Saul was a very, very tall guy. He was a big guy. 1 Samuel 9, chapter, verse 2 says, Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the entire land. Head and shoulders taller. And David got called by him to ask him, why are you asking all these questions? And hopefully you caught right at the beginning of the story how Saul responded to David. He responded by doubting David. David started off saying, hey, don't worry about that, that tall guy out there in the battlefield. I'll go fight him. And Saul said, don't be ridiculous. You can't fight him. There's no way you can fight that guy. You're little. You're only a boy, and he has been fighting since before you were in cloth diapers. You're too little. You can't fight him, Saul said. David said, come on, I fight lions and bears with my bare hands. Now, eventually, King Saul said, okay, you can go, but you got to wear my armor. Think about that for a second. This guy is head and shoulders taller than anybody in the land, and he's asking a boy to put his armor on. 
course, in the story, it says David put his helmet on, he strapped his, his chain mail on, he put his sword on, and he took a step or two, and then he realized, I, I can't do that. It's not what I know. David was facing a giant in King Saul, even before he went out and met the big guy in the battlefield. So, four giants so far. His dad, his brothers, the Philistines, King Saul, and now the one you've been waiting for, Goliath. Listen to the description of Goliath. Miss Elena? Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to, forces, to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. And as he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, the champion from Gath, would come out from the Philistine ranks, and David could hear him shout his usual taunt to the armies of Israel. Did you guys hear how big Goliath was? Did somebody catch how tall he was? You're trying to raise your hand? How tall? More than nine feet tall. Now, on paper, you guys don't understand that, okay? Uh, I am just a little bit under six feet tall, okay? So you imagine another two feet up here and then up here. That's how tall Goliath is, okay? See my hand? Now, not only that, you figure that since Goliath was that tall, he probably weighed at least, at least 300 pounds. Okay? Because at that nine foot, nine inches tall, you're going to weigh about that much. And he had, it said, 125 pounds of chain mail and then other armor on his arms and on his legs. So you figure about 200 pounds of armor. So when David's walking out into the battlefield, he is walking out to face 500 pounds of man and muscle and metal walking towards him. Nine foot, nine inches, 500 pounds of muscle and metal walking towards him. And he had a spear or a shield also. That was probably as tall as him, three feet wide, nine feet tall, and a spear with the head, the tip, the arrow on the spear was 15 to 20 pounds. Now, I brought something to put that into perspective, okay? This is 20 pounds. It's probably what the tip of his spear weighed. Richard, you're tough. Come on over here. Okay? I want you just to walk around. Um, Hold it and let the kids feel how heavy that is. Okay? 
So feel how heavy that is. And as you feel it, imagine how strong a guy it would take for the tip of the spear to weigh that much. And, and, and the, the whole like rod was like, a, what did it say, like a weaver's rod? Okay, so you got to figure that is two, three times the size of a broom handle. And it probably weighs five, six, seven, eight pounds. So you look at, he is throwing probably 25 pounds, who knows, 50 yards, 60 yards? Imagine how strong Goliath had to be to have a spear like that. 500 pounds of muscle and metal, a spear with a tip that heavy, walking towards David. This young boy who was not wearing Saul's armor, who did not have Saul's sword. In fact, David went without sword, without shield, without chain mail, since Saul's weapons were too big for him. Did you guys catch, did you even read what he picked up? You did not read. Somebody who knows the story, what did David face Goliath with? What was David's weapon? Thank you. Anybody know? Ezra. A stone. Maybe. Maybe a rock about that big. May may have been littler. Doubtful that it was bigger. Okay? Okay, let's hear the story because this is this is the part you guys knew. Miss Elena? David picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is battle, and he will give you to us. Okay, listen. Listen, and I'm going to cut you off again towards, uh, towards a little bit. Here comes the fun part. Here comes the part you know. Go ahead. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching Shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. That's good right there. Okay, so a stone. And what's interesting, adults, if you keep reading this story, it talks about the Philistine army turning and running and being routed. And at the very end of it, uh, verse 58, the author talks about Jesse. Saul asks, Who is this kid? 
and they say he's Jesse's dad. Interesting that at the end of the story of David and Goliath, they tie back into the first giant that David faced, his dad. Okay, very interesting. Kids, easy answer. David versus Goliath. Who won? You can just yell it out. David. All right, adults, did you get the same answer? Okay, good. They were right. David, do you think when David walked out into the field with just a couple of stones against nine foot, nine inch, 500 pounds of muscle metal, Goliath, do you think David was scared? We got some saying yes, some saying no. Do you guys think David was scared? Would you have been scared? Uh, I'm going to take you with me next time I walk down a dark alley. Wow. Was David scared? I don't think he was. I think maybe he's a little bit nervous, some butterflies in his stomach, but I don't think David was scared. In fact, I don't think David even looked at how big Goliath was. I don't think David looked at how big Goliath was. You want to know why? David was too busy looking at how big God was. David was too busy looking at how big God was. He had told Saul in verse 37, The Lord rescued me when I was attacked by a lion and a bear. And he told Goliath, You come at me with all your weapons, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. David said, I don't care how big Goliath is. My God is bigger. I don't care how big Goliath is, my God is bigger. You guys say that after me. My God is bigger. Adults, you can join them. My God is bigger. Nine foot, nine inch, 500 pounds of muscle and metal. David doesn't even look at him because he thinks to himself, my God is bigger. And boy, can we ever learn from that. Amen? Can we ever learn from that? Kids, you put some smudges on your face to help you remember how David felt when he faced his first giant, his dad. You put some shirts on your back to help you remember his second giant, his brothers, and how he just wanted to be accepted by them. We talked about the Philistines. We talked about King Saul. Now, I looked for a whole bunch of 50-pound swords to give you to help remember Goliath. But unfortunately, I couldn't find any. But what I do have is rocks. Not just any rocks. Rocks with a cross on them. Because this helps us remember. This helps us remember that no matter what we face, our God is bigger. The Bible says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Jesus reminds us that he is so much bigger, and anything we face isn't going to compare to how big God is. Because my God is bigger. Say that with me. My God is bigger. Okay, Miss Elena, thank you so much for being a good reader. I actually have, this is great. Somebody says, what's in the box? It's a box of rocks. Literally, it's a box of rocks. So I want to kids, I want you to come over to Miss Heather. She's going to give you one rock. And then I want you to go back with your parents to sit down. Except I want one, two, three, you guys to sit in the front row. Okay? 
Well, you okay? You go work the back. You mind sticking around up here? Yeah. So, adults, two minutes as I talk to you guys, okay? As the kids are sitting down. If you've lived any sort of amount of time in life, you have faced giants. And you know what I'm talking about. You know that sometimes these giants might be acceptance into your own family. Maybe you as a man never heard your dad say, hey, I am proud of you. I love you. Maybe you weren't accepted by your mom. Maybe your siblings. Maybe your kids. So maybe it's an acceptance thing. Maybe that's the giant you face. Maybe those giants come from the people around you, your coworkers, your bosses, your friends. Maybe the giants are situations in your life that you face that you have no idea how you're going to get by. A death in a family. Finances. Sickness. Choices that you've made that you're going to now have to live with. There are times when you will face, many times when you will face giants in your life. And my questions to you are this. Is your God big enough? As you face those giants, is your God big enough? Are you willing to grab whatever you have around you and step into the battle trusting that it's going to be God who fights? And as you face your giant, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the size of your giant? Or are you looking at the size of God? You will face giants in your life. But what are you looking at? Because my God is bigger. We've said that together. Here's the deal. Adults, I know that there are some of you that are thinking to yourself, if I just had one of those rocks... I'd remember. You need something tangible. You need to put something on your counter. You need to put something by your desk. You need to put something in your car console, on your kitchen sink. You need, maybe you're in the middle of facing a giant right now, and you just need something that will remind you that your God is bigger. Okay? We had about 15 kids up here. I had about 50 rocks. That means there's roughly 35 rocks left. Okay? We're going to sing one more song. We're going to stay seated while we sing. And if you want a rock... All I want you to do is raise your hand. And we've got three kids, three or four kids, who are going to bring you these rocks. This is